Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Excuse My Reach. I'm your host, Emma Isaac. Today, our guest is Ravina Patel, a construction project coordinator at the Blake School and owner slash education consultant at Tutor Doctor, an in-home or online learning experience tailored for all types of learners with all types of goals. From insurance agent to property manager to project coordinator and business owner, Ravina has molded her own path and reached new heights in her career every step of the way. As one of my lifelong friends, I am inspired by her daily, and it is my absolute pleasure to welcome her on Excuse My Reach. Ravina, hello. Thank you so much for taking the time to come to chat with us today. Hi, Eva. I'm so grateful and happy to be on Excuse My Reach and excited to have this conversation with you. I'm so excited too. This is going to be a really fun one, you guys. I specifically wanted to have Ravina on, like I said in that intro. She has a plethora of experience in multiple different industries. So I'm excited to talk to you and really just understand everything from start to finish and how you got to where you are today currently. So to start it off, I do really just want to start from the beginning. Your university days, I know that you went to university. So can you just talk to us a little bit about that, where you went, how you chose where you went, what you studied there? Take us through that. Yeah, so I attended the University of St. Thomas over in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, And I came across this school because my older brother attended this school and um, had talked really highly about it. He loved the classroom experience, that small classroom feel. My high school, my middle school was also like that. We had small classrooms. You really got to know your peers, your teachers, build those relationships. And ultimately, that that is what I was looking for when I was looking at university. So I decided to sit in, in some classes with him. And I just fell in love with the environment, the whole culture that was there. And I knew that I didn't want to go too far from home. And that was a school that offered what I wanted. And it was close to home. And it kind of fit in, into what I wanted um, in, a, in a university. I, when I went into university, I had a major in biology. I was on a pre-med track thinking I was going to be a doctor, um, specifically a pediatric doctor. However, when I was two years in, I realized that that is not the route that I wanted to take. I was taking all these science classes. It took up so much of my time that I didn't feel like I had a social life, nor did I feel like I could build those relationships that I wanted to when I went into university. So I was exploring different areas, different degrees, and came across um, economics at the business school at St. Thomas. And I took a semester of um, all different business classes, and I absolutely loved the conversations and the collaborations that took place in that class. It was so different to the science classes. Um, and then economics, it sounds kind of boring, but I just loved how it could be applied to all areas of life. Um, simple like supply and demand, right? You want something, you kind of, you have to go out to source it and how do you find those different resources? So uh, um, I knew that that was something that I wanted to do was be able to provide res- resources to people. Um, and then my degree ended up being in economics and I graduated Um, in 2019 with a bachelor's in economics from the University of St. Thomas. That's really amazing. Also, I love how you said that you sat in on some classes prior to you choosing that university. I think that's actually a really individualized experience because I think most people just go tour a college, but they don't actually get to sit in a class and see how how it's actually going to be. Is that something that you'd recommend if you're able to do that? I highly recommend it. Um, Doing a tour of a university is one thing. You kind of see it on the outside. But when you actually go in and sit in in a class, it provides you with a different experience and an outtake of what it is actually like to be a student at the university. So if you ever have the opportunity to do that, I would highly recommend it. So you graduated with a degree in economics. Did you have a clear path after graduating what you wanted to do with that degree? Honestly, no. I had no idea of what I wanted to do when I graduated. Um, But while I was in university during my senior year, I did have the opportunity to study abroad in Australia. And then as I was coming back to the United States, I had 
a volunteering opportunity in India. And that was a month spending time in the slum communities, providing value-based education to students who didn't value and prioritize education, noted their parents. And so when I came back from that opportunity, I kind of knew that education was a route that I wanted to go into, um, knowing that here in the US, we have education at the tip of our fingers, but sometimes it's not prioritized or it's not something that we are so keen to do. And then you go to a country and you see how students are in those environments and how they, if you push them in the right way, and if you provide education in their own manner, the amount of curiosity they have. And so when I came back to the US, I knew that I wanted to do something within education I didn't quite know. And so when I did graduate, I was looking at different business ventures. And that's where I came across Tudor Doctor, which is a business that I started. And that provided one-on-one in-home and online tutoring to students of all ages, levels, and backgrounds. So it's not just kids in school, but even adults who might be in a corporate position, but they need to refresh on some subjects that would reach out to us. And so finding a specialized person to help them Um, It was amazing. Can you tell us about what the actual step-by-step process was in starting this business and being this business owner? I think a lot of times we hear of somebody becoming an entrepreneur, right? And you almost only see the end product. But I would love if you could talk about kind of the nitty gritty from ideation all the way to you know, actually putting this into practice, getting the tutors, having the students, everything like that. Yeah. Um, So the idea started was to find a business venture in education. So as I was researching, I really loved this model that Tutor Doctor had, and it was one-on-one learning and the type of impact that one individual person could make on a student's life. And so Um, When I came across this business, I had reached out to them. They had their own vetting process, a bunch of interview questions that they asked. And then if you kind of got through that round, they would bring you out to their headquarters, which was over in Toronto, Canada. So um, after doing all of that, I had gone out to Canada and gone through a series of training. So it was about a week and a half long of training where they put you in um, doing all sorts of Um, business adventures. So you'd be doing marketing, you'd be doing finance, you'd be doing recruiting, you'd be doing, gosh, it's like everything Everything. you would, all the hats that you would need to wear in a business. It was, they trained you in on that. And then you just kind of went into the field and you did it. And so um, you have to obviously practice how to be a business owner and how to sell. And that was the biggest thing was being a good salesperson. Um, And so there was a lot of skills that I had learned in that training, which helped me improve in my sales um, and being able to close enrollments and then being able to recruit. That was another big thing. Um, Recruiting is tough. And when we hit COVID, it was even harder with just all Mm -hmm. just trying to find people. But um, I do believe that having a good network of people who you can reach out to, asking them, if they are interested in doing certain teaching or different subjects. Um, So I would use uh, my network. I would even use platforms like Indeed or ZipRecruiter to try to find people. And then I would have my own series of interview questions that I would do um, to try to vet those people and try to find a specialized person to help these families that I would consult with. So that's on the recruitment side, but on the consultation side and closing enrollments and selling, that can be pretty intimidating because I would have to go out to people's homes and I would have to sit down at the dinner table with families and have these really tough conversations about what is it that's causing the stress and this tension in the family and how can I help kind of ease that tension? And ultimately it was trying to find that right fit, that right teacher, that person to come in and help relieve that stress, that tension that was happening between students and parents. That's a really interesting process from start to finish. So this company, it already existed. You were able to seek them out and then go through the entire training process to be able to bring this and kind of individualize it for yourself and with finding your own tutors, your own students. 
having already a base there, were there certain things that you were required to fulfill in order to run this business on your end? Were there certain quotas? Were there certain dollar amounts that you had to bring in? And what was the structure going back to the overall umbrella of Tudor Doctor? Are there percentages that you have to give back to the overall business? What is the structure like? Yes. Yeah, so this business is a franchise model. So um, they require all of the franchisees to pay royalties every month. So with that, there was a set minimum that we had to then pay back to the franchisor. So that kind of was um, a motivating aspect, I would mm-hmm. say, because every single month we had to meet certain enrollment numbers um, and then pay a percentage of that back to the franchisor. But also keeping in mind that I have other costs like marketing fees that I would have to incur um, and um, recruitment fees that I would also have to do. So there were set minimums that would have to be um, paid back to the franchisor in order to have that blue book, mm-hmm. um, say, for them to provide their, their model to us. With the idea that you maybe have to adhere to certain guidelines that Tudor Doctor already presents to you, were you able to individualize either the curriculum or how you wanted your tutors to teach or any practices like that? Yeah, there was a, there's a tutor orientation that we put our tutors through for them to know kind of what is the base of what you have to be doing um, when you are tutoring. But I also loved that this business wasn't set on like a, you had to follow this one curriculum. It was very personalized to the student and every student attended different schools and different school districts. And then they all learn in different ways too. So I always told my tutors that, you know, follow the student's curriculum, follow what they need to be doing on a day-to-day basis, but make it fun for them and make it engaging for them that they actually want to learn and they look forward to sitting down with you at these sessions. So it's not just like, here's what you need to do, get it done, I'll see you next time. Um, It's trying to find ways to make it fun and engaging for them, which I think is the biggest thing and makes the biggest impact um, when you can see that personalization um, because there's more of a relationship and more of a trust that is built when tutors and students can do that. When you went through this process of finding your tutors and finding your students, were there a lot of difficulties with, I guess, pairing one to the other? Were there a lot of trial runs that you had to do to ensure that, you know, the tutor worked well for the student and vice versa? Yeah, I always like to think that on the first go, it's the best match, but sometimes it doesn't work out. And, you know, sometimes it's not the right fit. And so then we would always do feedback calls with the tutors and with the students just to check in and see how is it going? Is this the right fit for your student and your family? And if it is, great, let's keep it going. But if it's not, I want to be able to fix that. And if it's not with that one person, then we'll try to find someone else. Mm-hmm. We also um, have our tutors submit reports after every session so we can kind of track how long they're meeting and also what is being covered in that session um, so that everyone who's on board, parents and myself and the tutors can see the progress that's taking place and that connection and if it's there. That sounds like a really great model to be able to go off of every single time, just getting that that feedback from everybody so you can actually implement those changes. I think that that's really great. What would you say is the hardest part of being a business owner, specifically for your experience that you have within this business, and one of the parts that you find to be the most rewarding that kind of balances out the bad parts? I would say one of the not bad things, but one of the challenging parts of this business is having to wear all of the hats um, in running it. Um, I would like to say that I wish I had more hands on deck, but then again, um, having more hands on deck can also mean a lot more complications that can take place. Like for example, if I'm doing a consultation and someone else is recruiting, they might not know all of the things that we talked about in that consultation. And so there could be a mismatch. so I would say the hardest part is wearing all the hats and wearing hats that I'm not so comfortable in. Like sometimes finance can be pretty difficult. Right. And so I bring in my brother to help out with that. And so that's been a very um, 
good part to the business. But one of the rewarding parts to this is just knowing the type of impact that's taking place that I may not directly be doing on a day-to-day basis that my tutors are doing. But the fact that I could find someone for them and that they are now working together, there's this trusted relationship in place. They're like another member of the family. And hearing that is one of the most rewarding parts of this business. Wow, that's that's incredible for them to say that they're, they feel like a member of the family, that you could become so close and feel that the time that you're spending with that person is so valuable, so meaningful that they do become like a family member to you. Absolutely. And I love that some of these families have been with us for over like five years and they're still doing tutoring with us. And it's just because of that one person and that relationship that they have. So yeah, having that one person who can really make an impact does go a long way. That's really special. In taking on this role of a business owner, do you feel like you have the flexibility to do other things within your life that are apart from this? Because I know there are so many things that you were doing while running this business. Like I mentioned again in the intro, you're also an insurance agent, a property manager, How were you able to find the time to be certified in all of these things and go about that process when, like you just told us, this job requires you, being an owner requires you to wear so many hats and to not have more help next to you, right? So how did you manage to find even the time to do anything else? Well, one of the nice things about being a business owner is that you can ultimately create your own schedule. And if you wanted to book meetings at a certain time, I could do so. And then in that open time, let's say I could do other things. So I did get licensed into um, being an insurance agent, doing property casualty and business insurance and kind of start my own insurance agency, helping out family, close friends, any of their network people that needed any insurance um, support. And then I also helped out with my family's um, rental and construction business. And so I would then, when I had time, I would help out and do some bookkeeping and just kind of do some um, property management and coordination within that. Um, It is tough, I would say, to manage all of that. However, I had a good support system in place um, and Working as a property manager at my family's company, um, they kind of knew also what my other responsibilities were, what other businesses I was involved in. So they allowed me that flexibility to also work within that business, but then also do work in my own business. So I think being surrounded by people that know what other things are going on in your life, what are the businesses that you're doing, um, definitely helped me manage my time as well. And I love... I wouldn't say I I love working, but if I know that I'm making an impact or I'm helping someone out in some way, um, I have no problem in doing it any time of day. That's a really good mindset to have. How did you come to the realization that differentiating your experiences would be beneficial to you? Because I think it's such a topic that's top of mind for a lot of people that they want to be able to have multiple streams of income from multiple different sources. So that's why a lot of people right now, right, they have their main job, but they're also trying to do side projects or they're picking up things on the weekends or putting some money into the stock market, whatever it may be, they're trying to differentiate how income is coming in in their life. Why did you feel like that was important for you? And also twofold question to that, how did you know what avenues would be the best ones for you to be able to manage them all like you said you've been able to do thus far? Yeah, I have always seen um, my dad do this. And so growing up, he kind of he worked in corporate, um, that regular nine to five job. But then when we moved to the United States and we got into the property um, side of it, I would see that He worked his corporate job and then on the weekends or in the evenings during the week, he would run this um, management company where it was easy income um, and it was something that didn't take too much time, but knew that it was um, a source of income that was an additional like top of the cream kind of money. Um, And so 
kind of growing up and seeing that I was always inspired to do the same. Um, and I thought to myself, okay, if he can do it, anyone can do it. And why can't I do it? Um, and so when I was graduating, I knew that I wanted to have a business and I knew I wanted to have multiple sources of income, but it's also very hard to do that and find that and then keep it consistent too. And so um, I always just reminded myself that consistency is key and it's always just going to help you succeed. If you just stay with it, um, you'll always, you'll just succeed doing anything that you're doing. Do you feel like that was one of your driving forces for Tudor Doctor as well? Just reminding yourself constantly, be consistent, be consistent, be consistent. Absolutely. There are days where I don't want to do some of this stuff because it's just tedious or it just takes a little bit extra time. But then I'm like, if I'm not going to do it, nobody else is going to do it. And so I need to stay consistent with it. And so, yeah, just reminding myself that um, you just kind of just got to keep doing it and know that you're making an impact and you're making a difference. I do want to bring it back really quick to some of the additional logistical aspects of being a business owner, because I feel like it's a very interesting thing for people to understand some of the more specific pinpoints of things. Like, how did you know what rates to pay your tutors? It ultimately came down to just researching what the going market rate was for tutors in this area, in this market specifically. I would reach out to other tutor doctor um, owners across the United States, and I would just check in with them and see what they're paying. Some were paying less than me and some were paying more, but I also had to keep in mind whatever market you're in, you have to keep that into account. And so um, I just did research. I also did some cold calling to other tutoring businesses around here just to do my part. And I would reach out to them and ask them what rates they charged families and then what rates they would pay their tutors. And based off of that, I kind of I've created my own price and um, pay rate um, based on what everyone else in the market was doing. You talked a bit earlier that it's not just children that need tutoring, but also adults. Where do you see that range within the company of people that are in school that need these one-on-one tutorings versus adults that are just trying to, I don't know, maybe learn a new language or learn a new skill? I would say a majority of my client base, they are students, um, probably about like, let's say 93% of my client base are all students in school from elementary, middle school, high school and college. But then we've got about like seven, 8% of that who are people outside of school. So they work in corporate positions, trying to learn a new language or coding or they could be like an elderly, like an 85-year-old woman that wants to learn how to use Zoom. And so it's just providing basic support like that, but knowing that they had no idea how to do it, but finding that one person that can come in and help them. Um, doesn't matter what age you're at, um, that everyone can be a learner and everyone is a learner. And so keeping that front of mind. How incredible that there are people out there that – quite frankly, are willing to pay for services to learn something new. I find that to be really inspiring. At 85 years old, I hope that I am trying to continue to, you know, keep my brain sharp, learn (laughs) something new. I think that that's such an incredible thing to invest in for yourself. Absolutely. And you'll see that around here too, and anywhere that people will prioritize and they will invest in their students' education if they know that in the long run, it's going to help them succeed or help them build these skills that will they'll carry on for the rest of their life and into their high school or their career going forward. That's incredible. I think that Tutor Doctor, the mission that you guys are doing, it's so important to put learning first, put trying to pair these people first, trying to find an individualized experience, how they can learn the best because so many students don't learn the same way. You know, none of us learn the same way. When you get put in a school environment, I remember that was always such a frustrating thing for me. The person to my right or my left was not learning the same way that I was learning. And yet we're all taught in the same way. Yes. And I I remember that too. Like there were some kids that would never study for exams and they would just get a hundred percent on the test. And I'm just sitting there like, I probably spent like five hours studying and I did well, but I 
didn't do as well as you and you didn't play, right. you know, it's like kind of frustrating. It's really so, frustrating, yeah. especially <laughs> when you're young, you, you see that as almost like a personal attack, you know, you see it yeah. as what's wrong with me. Why can I not learn the same way as somebody else? But it's just because we don't, we should all have different resources. We don't all learn the same. Exactly. Simple as that. Exactly. Well, going from tutor doctor, I know now you are a construction project coordinator. I would love to hear more about that, how you got into that. If you're still then doing tutor doctor with this new job, tell us about that whole process and how you've integrated this new venture into your life. Yeah, I got into construction project coordination um, in September of 2022. Prior to that, I was running to the doctor. And then, like I mentioned, I was also helping my family business with rental management and new construction homes. And so with the new construction homes, I was working with a contractor. And so he would do the build and I would help with the project management side of it. Um, And then I was on LinkedIn, um, just searching and browsing, trying to find people to connect with. I also did a lot of recruitment on LinkedIn, which is a great platform to find positions and people. But I came across this construction project coordinator position. And I was reading through the description and it kind of meshed together my education experience that I had running Tudor Doctor. And then my experience with working in the family business and doing project management in the construction side. So I applied to it. um, And I went through the interview process. And it was a pretty quick process. and got hired on right away to come on board to help um, build out an early learning center for students pre-K, kindergarten, and first grade. And then um, just some other remodeling that the school did. Um, And then when I came on board um, and I was talking to my manager and my bosses, the one thing that stood out to them was they were so experienced in the construction side of it that they didn't have someone on the team with education experience and trying to put that together and um, integrate it. And so when you're working with building a school, obviously you need to take into account who's going to be in that school and that teachers and administration. And so it's being able to communicate with those individuals in an efficient manner and making sure that whatever they're saying is heard and also implemented into the school. And so um, we did a lot of conversations with them to try to build a school that was ultimately what they wanted. Um, And I loved it because people on my team would comment about how I never thought about asking that question or I never thought of this and that. And so it really validated me in in that position and um, just kind of made me feel good about my previous experience uh, being in this position. Um, And this position, I, it's a Monday to Friday job. It's, an eight-hour role. Um, the benefit to it is I can start as early as I want and finish as early as I want. So with that, um, I would typically start my days at like 6.30 and I'll try to be done around 2.33 so that then when I go home, I can also work on tutor doctor because I also know that that is something that I wanted to continue on. Um, and so I do kind of run both at the same time. Um, and so I'll do my day job and then I'll come home and I'll check my emails or I'll take meetings or I'll go out and do consults or re- recruit people um, in the afternoon, um, which worked out because kids are typically at school when I was working. And so when I was done working, kids are done with school, parents are done with work. And then that's when that tutor doctor work could come in place. Well, I think it's incredible that you've been able to manage things as well as you have been able to manage them and also to continue on with Tutor Doctor. I think these are like two full-time jobs, right? Completely. Like an an actual nine-to-five job, you know, set your own hours, but essentially nine-to-five, and then coming home to run a business. It's incredibly impressive to me. I also feel like this job is a perfect combination of your past experiences. You were quite literally able to mold all of what you were doing while you started Tutor Doctor, while you were working as an insurance agent, as a property manager. 
and then able to bring that experience and combine it with the educational aspect. Like you said, it really did differentiate you from the other people working there. You were able to hone in on that and kind of offer a different value than maybe any of these other people with more of the traditional experiences were able to offer when going into this project. Is this project still going on? And also, is this a contract position? So do you do it based on the projects needed at the school? Or are you a full-time employee of the school? That's a great question. When I was hired for this role, it was as a contract position. So for this one project to build out this school for these kids. Um, And so my contract is until the end of this year. Um, However, as I've been in this position, I've also been assigned other projects that have been outside of my contract, let's say. Um, And so that kind of validates the fact that they don't need me for this just this one project, but that they could also use my skills and my previous experiences in other projects that they have going on on all their other different campuses. So I believe that when this project is done, um, that they do intend to keep me around for the years later because we've been kind of planning out future projects going forward, that they can use my skills and I can also grow my own skills working on not just this one, but other projects that are going on. I love that they've kind of presented you that opportunity to grow within the role in so many different projects. I think that's really amazing that the opportunities are now being awarded to you because of your hard work. Can you take us through what this job really is at its core, your job, the project coordinator role? Because I think people may know what a project coordinator role is in different industries, but within construction, maybe people don't have as much of an understanding. So can you just take us through of like what a day-to-day is? You get into work, hit the ground running. What do you do? Great question. Um, Every day is different. No day is ever the same. And so that's one of the things that I love about this job is that um, you're always presented with different challenges or um, things that are going on. But I I love that um, we get to work with, you know, as being a project coordinator, you're that person that kind of has to get shit done um, because no one else will. Um, And so I will typically be in contact with architects that are um, designing this building. Um, I'm in touch with the teachers who some may call as the like stakeholders because they are the ones that are going to be using this space. Um, so facilitating conversations with them. Another big part of this role is furniture, which is so random, but it <laughs> is kind of fun too because um, I get to design and I get to pick out furniture wow. for what's going to be put into the school. And so um, kind of like planning out spaces, um, but then another big aspect to that is making sure that I'm staying within budget. Um, Mm. This project is a huge one, probably one of the biggest projects that I have worked on. And so there's a lot of moving parts to it. And so um, I love that I can pick up furniture with the architects. I then present that to the teachers and talk about, okay, out of all this stuff, this is what's going in your space. Can we get feedback on it? take that back to the architect um, who we then coordinate with the construction team. So every week on Wednesdays, um, I'm typically walking out to a construction trailer for two hour meetings to go over what's pro- what progress has been happening, what's the most recent build or what's been going on on site that we need to be aware of. I would say every single week, there's always something that's presented by the construction team that requires either more money or more involvement from teachers or administration. And so um, I'm typically having to go out to have those tough conversations with people saying, okay, this is where we're at. These are some of the changes we need to make and then taking it back to them. Um, Communication is one of the biggest things that um, I see as being a key in this role um, and making sure that 
everyone who's a part of this entire process is up to date and is very well informed so that no one is left with any surprises when it comes to open time. Um, yeah. Are the conversations that are being had with those at the school primarily with the administration or the teachers? Or is it mostly like the decisions being made by administration and the feedback being given by the teachers? Yeah, so it's feedback giving by the teachers and then ultimately whoever makes the decisions is administration Mm -hmm. um, or our chief financial and operating officer who signs off on all money things. So we always have to keep a good relationship with him, um, work really closely, make sure that he's very well informed of what's going on, how the money is being spent um, and he then signs off on it. But one of the rewarding parts of this is that giving teachers a voice and allowing them to give their feedback and tell us what they want because they are the ones that are going to be using the space. I think it's such an interesting thing to hear you talk about this because so often we don't think about how things got to where they are in a school setting. You know, it's like this new classroom pops up or a new library or whatever it is. And sometimes remembering how much work goes into having that come into play having that become a reality it gets lost by those that are even utilizing it so i think that's really cool that teachers are able to have such a voice within the process too that's so special yes it is and i and these teachers are amazing they're so lovely um and just great to chat with and just see what we can do to make sure that they get what they want because they are the ones that are making an impact on a daily basis and how big is your team that you work with on the daily? And is that team, would you say that includes the architects, the designers? So the team that I work with daily, we have about 18 people, but that excludes the architects, the whole construction team. Um, if we were to include those, it would probably be a team of about 40 to 45 people um, actively moving on this project. It's cool now that you've been able to have sort of these completely different professions, but then obviously combined into this one perfect profession for you. But I want to know if you found it at all challenging going from having so much autonomy in your life and in your schedule with just tutor doctor, and then now having to go from more of this structured career. Did you find that to be at all challenging for you? I thought it would be challenging um, from being that person that runs it daily who can tell people, you know, not what to do, but how to go about Mm -hmm. their role um, to then being someone who's kind of told what to do. Um, So I thought that would have been challenging, but I never went into it with that. Like, I never went into that position with that mindset that, I'm in this role. People are going to tell me what to do. It was more of like a collaborative experience for me. And I will say my leader who I work really closely with um, has made it more of a positive experience Mm -hmm. for me. Her allowing me to create a flexible schedule, just knowing that I can get my stuff done um, has been very helpful. So I do think having a good leader in place helped me in this role. Um, from going from a business owner to then going into a role with more of a structure, um, it definitely did help. That makes a lot of sense. And I think it's it's really interesting specifically for you because I feel that many people haven't done both, you know, like been both a business owner or both an entrepreneur and worked a nine to five. Sometimes it's either or. So I think it's possible that people could think that one is better than the other and the grass is always greener, right? So if you work a nine to five, maybe you think, gosh, it'd be so nice if I could just do this all myself. I could have the flexibility in my schedule. Or on the other end, if you have all that flexibility in your schedule, maybe sometimes it's like, this is really hard to self-motivate. This is really hard to keep going. It's really hard to have to wear multiple hats. It's really hard to feel like, even though I don't have a nine to five, it's like I'm always working. So you having had the opportunity now to do both and to do them now both together at the same time, do you have a preference for one over the other? I don't have a preference. I really enjoy 
having this nine to five and then running my own business. Um, typically, you know, you, like you were saying, like you would hear people that do their nine to five and ideally they'd want to go and start their own business after once they've decided hustle has taken off. Mm -hmm. But now looking at it, um, you know, when I was running to the doctor and having that flexibility to have my own schedule, I kind of did miss like that structure that, okay, you go to work from here to here and then you're done. Um, and so now being in it, it's kind of nice because I love having this nine to five structure. I can, this is the time that I just fully dedicate my time to doing this. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm home, I could then set a couple of hours that I fully dedicate to doing to the doctor, but then also having personal time too. So I like to go to the gym and I like to hang out with family. So making sure that that is also a part of my day-to-day life is very important. That is so important to be able to take that time to decompress. What are some other ways you just told us, family, working out, are there other passions or projects that you're passionate about working on that you do try to do in the tiny time that you have any time for it? Yeah, I love to work out. I love to do yoga. I have a dog, as you know. <laughs> I um, do know about a dog. <laughs> Super cute. Her name is Ronnie. She's a little white puffball. She's just like Luna. Um, <laughs> Luna's my dog for all um, the listeners out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they love to play. Um, I also, as you know, I have a, a nonprofit organization. And so we've also made, I've also made that um a part of my weekly um, life. So like at least one day a week where I do some volunteering, I dedicate time to either pack meals or deliver fresh groceries to people in need. And so that's something I'm very passionate about and have been doing since like pre-COVID, but COVID really picked it up and we've just continued it on ever since. So that's amazing. Um, Can people get involved with that? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we have people who either buy groceries and deliver it to them or even just donating money and knowing that that money is going towards feeding people, feeding people in need here in Minnesota. Um, yeah, there are so many ways to get involved. Cool. It's called the Rhea Patel Foundation. If you guys want to get involved. Yes. R-I-A-P-A-T-E-L foundation.org. <laughs> just for anybody that, you know, wants to get involved with a nonprofit, check it out, check out the mission. It's really, really cool. So I do want to ask, because you are a person that has now had all this experience, dipped their toes in so many things, and kind of almost did it the other way around, like we we're talking about the nine to five and also having your own business. I feel like a lot of people usually start with a nine to five and then do their own business, but you kind of did it the opposite way. Do you suggest starting with your own project or business before going into more of a corporate setting? Did you feel like that gave you more of a unique skill set? And did you think that it was going to be challenging to find a job without more traditional experience? It's tough to say. I feel like it's very dependent on the person. Um, however, in my case, I feel like starting a business and being involved in um, different business ventures allowed me to learn and pick up skills that I may not have picked up in a typical nine to five job. And so having experience in different businesses I just got to learn like what I liked and what I disliked. And that's one of the biggest things, especially when you're coming out of college, it's this pressure of finding the right job with the right income that's going to fill your needs. But are you really happy doing it is a question that a lot of people ask themselves. And so I'm very grateful to have had the opportunity to start my business, to start working in family businesses and find what I actually liked and passionate about. And then when I went to find a nine to five, I could pick something that kind of meshed my skills and my background into what I wanted to do. Um, so in my case, I would recommend it, but obviously <laughs> starting a business and all of that is not easy right. either when you're coming out of college. And so, yeah, I, I feel like it gave me that flexibility to find a position that meshed together all these different skills that I had picked up running a business. You talking about how important it was for you to find that position where you felt 
fulfilled in, happy with. Did you feel like that was your biggest motivating factor for taking on every single opportunity that you've done thus far? Or were there other elements that you were really focused on, like, quite frankly, making money or making large amounts of money or being able to sustain the lifestyle that you want or reaching a certain level in your career, the prestige of anything like that? What were your main driving forces? Being fully passionate about something and feeling good about the work that I was doing was one of my driving factors, but also knowing that I was making an impact. Like I knew money was going to come either way, right? Um, I knew that there were certain monetary goals that I had in place, but I was also, I'm also so young too that I didn't have a problem putting myself in different positions and different opportunities to learn what I liked and disliked. And so as I was going through these opportunities, I was, the biggest thing that was front of mind was, am I helping people? Am I making an impact? And what other things can I do to make people feel good about what they're doing? Um, so that was one of the motivating factors. Obviously money is a big thing. Um, and so while I was hopping around and getting into these different um, ventures, I knew that I wanted to have multiple sources of income too. And so money wasn't the biggest thing front of mind because I know eventually it will come, but was just knowing, learning these skills, learning different types of skills and just learning how to make an impact in different areas of life. And you talk about almost that risk involved that you feel like you were able to risk more because of the position in life that you're in, that you're younger, that you kind of have more time to maybe make the mistakes or fail greatly or succeed greatly or whatever it may be. Do you feel like you want to take that part of your personality and kind of continue it on in your life even when you get older? Because I think that is something that we say so much in our society. When you're young, take the risks. Do you feel like you're going to continue to take those risks. Absolutely. I feel like having gone through so many risks already and having been put in different positions, I was always at risk of either succeeding, not doing well or not making enough money. But I was young too, so I knew that I could do it. However, now when I look into the future, I know that whatever I do, whatever venture I get into, even though there's risk involved, it's going to be worth it because it's either going to be a learning lesson that, okay, it didn't work out, or it's going to be this great thing that I'm glad I took that risk and now look at where we're at. And so, yeah, I'm going to go into anything in, in the future with this mindset of like, just take the risk and you either learn from it or you grow from it. That's a great mindset. Bringing it into the future, what are those next steps for you? Where do you see Tudor Doctor going? Where do you see yourself going in your career path? Currently as a construction project coordinator, do you want to continue doing that? Do you want to grow within it? Tell us about what's next for you. Yeah, um, I definitely want to keep Tudor Doctor around, see how that goes, try to make an impact as much as possible. I do want to see myself grow within the construction role because being a woman, being a woman of color, a minority in this role, you don't see many people like that. And so knowing that as well has given me an advantage to also find different ventures. However, I love this role that I'm in um, as a project coordinator, and I only see myself growing within it, trying to take on more projects, learning more about them, learning from them, and learning from the people on my team too, um, because I'm not as experienced as everybody else on my team, but knowing that I can rely on them or go to them for support is an area that I want to continue on in. That's amazing. I think that the growth potential for you is so incredible. And like I said, with how widespread your experiences have been thus far, the success that you've been able to see by, you know, delving into every single one, giving them your 1000% effort and more, it's completely paid off. Like I told you guys at the start of this, Ravina is one of my close personal friends. She's like a sister to me. So I've been able to be very close to see this progress. But I wanted to have Ram because I think all of these experiences are so useful to hear from to be able to show 
that you can connect the dots in so many different ways to ultimately get you to wherever you want to be, whether that is starting your own business, whether that is venturing off into a new career path. It's really useful to know that there are people out there doing that and doing that effectively. So thank you for sharing that all, Ravina. I just want to say one final question for you, something that I like to ask my guests is a quote that you live by, something that's gotten you through the day-to-day and what that quote means to you. A quote that I live by is, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. By Maya Angelou. The reason I love that quote is because you can say and do anything daily, but however you make that person, that end user feel, that is what they're going to remember you by. And they'll say your name or they'll say something about you and it'll just bring up that memory that they had. And so there have been times where people will reach back out to me and will like bring up something that I had said or I'd done, like just based on how they felt at the end of it. And it makes me feel good that I didn't have to do too much. I didn't have to say something that you wanted to hear, but it was just making you feel good, making you feel heard, making you feel supported. And that's the biggest thing that I I live by. I think that's such an amazing quote and it very much encompasses everything that you've said in this interview thus far that you feel like it is so important for you to leave people with that feeling that you've made an impact in some kind of way shape or form you know from tutor doctor connecting these people giving them a really positive experience making them want to come back or bringing something new into your new role and offering a skill set that wasn't there before and leaving with them saying hey i want ravina to work on this next project because she made it so seamless so special I think that's amazing. It's definitely a quote that I see within your life. And it's a great quote to leave you guys all with today, I think. So Ravina, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for sharing all that you shared, talking us through your experiences, sharing some advice, some wisdom. It means so much that you took the time. So thank you. Thank you for having me, Emma. It was a pleasure to speak to you about this. And before we close out, Ravina, do you want to plug any of these things? If you want anyone to go follow Tutor Doctor or if they need services, can you tell them where they can find any of this that you've talked about? Yeah. If you know anyone that's looking for tutoring services or wants to be a tutor, just look on Google, tutordoctor.com, and you'll be able to find us. Perfect. If anyone is in need of services or wants to become a tutor themselves, definitely check them out. Check out the foundation that we talked about, riapatelfoundation.org. Check it all out. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, you can find us on all major streaming platforms. Like, download, share with your friends. You can find us on Instagram at excusemyreach. Be kind to those around you. And don't be afraid to reach a little higher. That was good. (laughs) 